Welcome to 2LO Rebooted, where we tell the stories of BBC technology and product groups. I'm Bill Thompson from BBC Research and Development. Last year, during the COVID-19 pandemic, BBC R&D's Ian Forrester interviewed a number of people about the BBC Human Values Framework. We had some great conversations and wanted to share them more widely, so we're publishing them now on 2LO Rebooted as Season 2 of our Human Values Framework podcasts. Hello and welcome to the BBC R&D Human Values Podcast. A lot has happened since our previous podcast series and now we want to interview a few key people that have been on this journey with us as we find these cases and explore how the Human Values Framework can be used alongside other existing frameworks. We hope you enjoy this podcast series and please get in touch with us if anything you hear catches your interest. We can be contacted on humanvalues.io. Here's Ian Forrester from BBC R&D, who will be your host. Thank you, Marisa. And we will start the interview with an introduction by the guests. I'm Sanjay Dumia, and I'm the CEO of RTCX, which stands for Real Time Community Experience. I started this uh, startup specialised in consumer uh, listening uh, back in 2017, when we felt that uh, big companies needed uh, better and uh, more innovative tools in order to listen to what consumers had to say about their services and, uh, and their brands. Uh, we started this with my uh, business partner, Ralph Bador, and uh, we're now uh, developing the project across our core markets, uh, which are France and the UK. Great, thank you. I'll try to frame the question a bit more. Um, is there something that kind of like when you you talked about how you wanted it to, you wanted to you know allow the big companies to listen to the audience? Is this something that you know is more of a kind of personal thing, or is this something that you you've always been interested in? I kind of like interested in like you know, is it kind of like something that you're that's been of interest for you or as a business? Or as a personal or both, I guess, is the kind of question I'm asking. Well, the answer to that, Ian, is both. Um, I'm a contact person. I like talking to people, but above all, I like listening to them. And without knowing it, actually, I created the company, which is a reflection of of, of my uh, raison d'etre, as it were. It's listening to what people got to say and uh, and integrate what they say to make better and greater things. Uh, in the context of, of, of working with big brands, it's how you develop new services, new products, incorporating your consumer's uh, point of view, but also your internal uh, stakeholders uh, that can range from marketing, communications, to finance, and, and everybody that has something to say and that may have a good idea should be listened. And uh, we are, how do I say, the uh, we, we, we are the intermediaries. And is there, um, so with all of this, um, when you first heard about the human values, uh, and it might be worth going into kind of how you learn about it, but... Um, did you kind of instantly connect what you've been thinking about for a long time, it sounds like, with the human values? Or was it kind of like, this sounds related, but not sure how? Um, I kind of like, I'm kind of interested in kind of what made you um, kind of 
sign up to the workshop almost. So, so why did I sign up to the workshop? Very simple. I like human values. And at RTCX, we've always been talking about how we create uh, new ways of understanding what people like and what people don't like. So, of course, we need figures and we need um, the quantitative uh, element uh, when when we bring insights to our clients, but we also need to bring the qualitative elements to it. And we want to do that, um, you know, using or understanding what people feel when they come into contact with a product or service, or uh, in the case of the media sector, uh, a piece of content. How does it make them feel? And, and I, I love being overwhelmed when I watch a piece of content. It makes me feel great. And I kind of say, wow, this is, t t for example, in the case of television, when I watch a piece of content that makes me really happy, um, I say, wow, it's a wonderful piece of content. It's cultural. It's, it's, it's a cultural piece of content. It's not just a consumer good. Uh, and so I perceive it differently and I want to engage with it and I want to share it with my friends and say, look, this is something you must really see. So I said that's really interesting because like it's almost like you can kind of like I'm I'm I feel overwhelmed by this content, which is kind of like there's a there's a value a human value behind that, and that's something that I imagine especially when you're talking to these these uh these companies, um they go out well, this is what I want to do, but they don't really understand like what's what it really means to the person, and I think. You know, it sounds like what you're trying to um, kind of almost like unveil is like this is the core of what's going on underneath. You know that that the reason why they want to share it is because of this. You know, because of this value. Uh, it's not just they're just sharing; they're doing it for a reason. And that sounds like you know, is that kind of what you're? That's what kind of uh, that's what you're about. I don't, I don't put words in your mouth, but that's, no, no, no. That's what that's where we're about. And actually, I'm 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 French. The surname might have given it away, uh, but in France, there's a huge culture of public service, and we love our public service because it's a service that's created uh, for the nation by the nation, um, and public service media is very important in that way, um, and. And, and it does that through the content that it puts on air and broadcasts. Um, and so, you know, in France, the problem is we're very number focused. The French are very Cartesian and therefore um, emotion is not something they want to show. But there's no harm in showing emotion when you feel positive about a piece of content, you should be able to express it. Uh, but because the French don't express it, there are no real measures that have been invented to measure something that people don't want measured. Um, and that's why when I saw this, um, this workshop being organized, I say, wow, actually, at last, there is a, a group of people who've sat down around the table, who've thought about the emotional side of uh, of things and how people, you know, are impacted by, by certain things. Uh, and I want to find out more. So it was my curious side that led me to, to this. 
And, and to be very honest, I had been following uh, the BBC R&D team's work for a fairly long time. So um, I guess I happened to be at the right place at the right time, which is very often what people have to do in order to, you know, to, to, to work in the media or to work in media related jobs. Thank you, Swazen. So, um, so when you, just, just about the workshop itself, uh, because it, yeah, it, it sounds like um, all the stuff before makes a lot of sense, kind of leads you to that. It's also like, it's almost like you were, you were wanting this, but you didn't quite have the framework to describe it. Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is that kind of about right? Well, to, to be honest, I was going there because I was interested uh, in what you guys had to say. What was great about the workshop is that I also met people from the four corners of the, of the globe who shared the same common wish uh, which is to, 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 to develop an emotional uh, set of, 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 uh, uh, of, of metrics to understand whether a piece of media or anything else is successful or not. And I had the penny drop in my head right during the, the, uh, the workshop where we were presented with the research and with what uh, had been done and Jan Kerlin's work, which was very interesting. And I said, actually, there is the collaboration that we should be having, because as a startup, we know that it's when we partner with other players uh, who share our goals that we're better, stronger, and more credible to our clients. My, my next question was like, how did you... So actually, I'll just go back one year. So before the workshop, um, when you signed up, yeah, what was your expectations? What was the, what were you thinking it would be like? You know, I, I had none to be honest. I was just happy to listen to something. I've also got to be quite honest, a very huge attachment to public service broadcasting. I'm hugely attached to this concept because it's through public service broadcasting that we do great things in the media. I mean, I'm not saying the other players don't do it, uh, of course. Uh, um, and I don't want to, to criticize and I won't, uh, but public service broadcasters are in a unique position to do things that others won't. And therefore, that's why I think that they, they, they're hugely important. I was sat in my, um, on the sofa, actually, during that workshop. I think it was on a Friday night. I had a glass of wine and I had my bowl of peanuts and I was eating them. And I was just, there was something and I was scotched to my screen. Uh, and that's when I felt at the end of the session that I had to carry on the conversation with you uh, about it and see how we could fit it in. And when I spoke to my team about it, how we could implement it, um, because we survey people on what they think about products and media content, um, they thought it was very interesting. And our aim is to deploy it, uh, the human values framework, and to integrate it into our methodology. And then we're very proud to say we've partnered with the BBC uh, and with its R&D team. Uh, it, it helps us. And we also want this framework to have the widest publicity it can, because we think it's a great methodology that doesn't exist anywhere else, as far as I know. <laughs> yes, amazing. So I guess like, so if I ask you how the workshop went, um, it sounds like it went extremely well for you. 
Um, is there anything that you that you were expecting or things that you would you might have liked to have changed about the workshop itself? Um, or was it kind of like a hundred percent perfect or you you know, I kind of like I'm just interested in your your thoughts about you know sitting there with the wine and the peanuts, kind of like you know, going through it was it was it too short or was it too long or you know those kind of things and also yeah i just want to get your kind of view on on the work as you know as you know ian when things are when you enjoy things you always have the impression they go too fast and that you arrive at the end and you say oh no it's already the end that's what happened a little bit now if you remember during the session we had we, we had split into two groups um, I was very uh, interested in what my other group members had to say. I felt very empowered by it. But I wish perhaps that we'd taken a little bit more time and we had swapped to see the other group members and what they had to say, because I'm extremely intrigued. We had somebody from the US. I think we had somebody from Canada as well, um, but brought different uh, perspectives. And when we talk about emotion, there's also... Um, a cultural element to it. Uh, a Canadian might not uh, have the same emotions as an Italian person or a French person or a British person. And that's also very interesting. How are we going to make sure that the framework is um, fits in every different cultural um, landscape? Uh, will the results be comparable and things like that? So, we're talking about right now how we can be very clear about uh, the methodology, how it can be deployed um, in the best way possible across different countries where, you know, market research also methods are perhaps slightly different. But I, we felt very empowered. We're, we're very, very um, happy with this. And you almost did the work that we wanted to do, <laughs> but you beat us to it. So it's only fair that we then share the work and, and try and, and, and give it visibility and credibility. It's really interesting. You talk a lot about public, uh, public service uh, because, you know, the notion that, you know, uh, you obviously are a commercial company um, or a you know, commercial startup. And the idea that, you know, you lean on, on public institutions who do, quite a lot of the work is is great and actually there's um a book i've been reading by um uh, i can never say her name mariano mazzacazzo mariano mazzacazzo yes yes who's who's, who's actually the head of the uh, uh, iipp at ucl and who talked about recently about uh, the public uh, about the bbc as a public good um, which was very interesting. Sorry, I, I, I took part in that in that session, and she was just incredible. Yeah, so you watched this, Yeah, so I watched it on YouTube, and I've been reading her book as well. But yeah, it's there's this is not a new thing. But I think in recent times, people have kind of gone, oh well, you know, that's where the innovation comes from, the big players, um, and actually, there's a whole ton of of public entities which are doing the research that that you know, may be very costly uh, for others to do. And this is where part of that, the human values is always meant to be a thing where 
we'll take it in one direction, but you take it in a completely different direction. And we all benefit from it because it, you know, uh, ultimately we're, we're making a better society. And I think that's, that's key. No, no, I just wanted to add one thing. The, the challenge in France is that they're very figure-driven people, the media, um, the media executives up in their towers. They look at the figures. Um, and if the figures are okay and the revenues are generated, that's fine with them. And they don't go beyond those figures. You know, they, the, 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 uh, the audience ratings and how much uh, those programs have generated in ad sales. That's all they look at, to be honest. Now, when we go and speak to the media sector executives and say, look, you need to take a new, better approach. Um, and actually, if you spend and invest in quality content, that's when you're gonna bring the differentiation factor in and get people to come to you because you're proposing things that nobody else can. They do not, they cannot compute it. They cannot understand it. And therefore we're set aside because they say, we don't want to take risks. And yet with, um, with, with the media, with media content, you have to be prepared to take risks and with anything, to be honest, be in a, in a clear test and learn strategy. Your audience uh, and your consumers will not fault you for trying but will fault you for not innovating by going to others who have developed um, a more um, a clearer competitive advantage. Um, and so we've got to put, I would say, quality back at the center of the discussion and also include much more the consumer. We should stop saying that we know better than the consumer on what the consumer is going to want. No, the consumer knows. And then we've got to create this rapport between the consumer and, uh, and the brand and serve it. And especially in the case of the BBC Public Service Broadcasting, the mission is clear. It's to be there for the audience and also to develop new products today that audiences will want 10 years from now. That is what is innovation. And with iPlayer, that's exactly what has happened. And that's why it's one of the most widely used platforms uh, for VOD today. It may be, it may be worth um, thinking that, um, so I, yeah, obviously I've I, I got to be, be kind of no bias in this. Okay. I also um, I am talking to um one of the french broadcasters actually but that's a whole different story but um <laughs> would it be worth saying that um that they didn't have the metric or the that because the only metric that was available to them was viewers um and that that's generally in tv is declining um be, you know because they look at what other parties are doing that if that maybe that might be the thing that's stopping them from innovating um where obviously with something like the human values and what you're saying and your system that you're you're building there'll be another metric that they can go okay yes the eyeballs are 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 going but actually what this means for that person is so much more richer than than just 
um, than just them watching this program? I, I've, I've spoken to a lot of French broadcasters and it's easier for them to uh, buy formats from uh, other countries. And they also buy a lot of formats from BBC Studios. So, you know, it's quite a good thing. No, but the, the, the problem is innovating from an editorial perspective takes a, is very labor intensive and takes a lot of investment, um, which is not a given for all broadcasters. When you look at France television and the fact that over the last five years, it's had to make 50, nearly 50, 55 million euros savings it's totally killed it. But there is law also, there is a law that dates back from 1981 that says that the only content that France television can produce in-house is news. So what happens? It means that, you know, everything is outsourced. So not only do you pay uh, your presenters, but you also pay the presenters production company uh, in order to produce. So it's much more costly. It's, and, and it's, and, the, the, the editorial, the creativity is not kept in-house. And the private sector is making um, a lot of money off the French license fee. And there's no real mechanism to measure today the success of the content. Because first of all, there's no budget, but then also there's no will. There's no real interest. Because um, today the French consider TV as a, a, a commodity, not as a cultural good. Um, and uh, I would say, uh, lastly, a lot of French people tell me they no longer watch TV. And when I say why, it's because they say, there's nothing to watch on TV. There's nothing better than a good book. So what is it that we're doing wrong in France that is putting people off? And why is it that executives are not caring enough about this hemorrhaging of audiences towards Netflix, towards Amazon Prime and other platforms, and uh, worrying about those that are saying, well, TV is no longer for me. It's no, it doesn't bring any more added value. Radio does, but TV doesn't. It's funny, it's, it's the perceptions. So through the human values, that's also what we're trying to understand. Um, why do people have this or this perception of a, of, of, of a form of media. And, um, and, and, and how is that gonna work in the next 10 years? You know, um, that's a big question that I have. And I'm very somewhat critical of the media, French media sector for not wanting to, to, to make, to shift the lines on this because we've got wonderful content creators that would love to be uh, to have their works shown, and they can't. And I'm sure audiences would go to them if they knew they existed. So that's yeah, that's, that's pretty powerful. Um, so I guess I, I'll ask you the question about um, the human values. So kind of like you know, obviously straight after the workshop, you got in touch. Um, but is there anything else that you you did? Um, kind of like I, I just want to because one of the things we want to make sure is that. You did, you know, after kind of like eating the peanuts, um, drinking <laughs> the wine, you know, the next day you kind of like write email, you know, let's, you know, let's talk about this. Um, let's get in touch with Ian and Leanne. You know, is there anything else that you did, you know, 
Um, I just want you to run through a little bit of that because... I'll, I'll uh, tell you the thought process. It's very funny because it was, you know, my business partner is based in Canada, so he's nine hours behind. Uh, you, you had the chance of, of meeting him. And therefore, it was the right time to call him. And I was really super excited about it. And I told him, I, I called him, he wouldn't pick up the phone. I called him, I called him, I called him. I think I called him about 10 times before he understood that I really wanted to say something to him. And um, what happened next, I spoke to him and then we organized a meeting all together. And the first thing he said is, yes, that's very interesting. Um, and we, uh, and it's compatible with our business, with our, our, our strategic, strategic and technological vision. Um, and that's good. Um, and then we got in touch and then we said, we must do it. We must be the first startup to do that because if we don't do it now, we may never do it and somebody else will do it instead of us. So it's seizing an opportunity to collaborate with a, with a great organization um, that, that actually enjoys a huge, um, a great reputation in the, on the old continent believe it or not. That's something that um, we tend to forget back in the UK. We forget about how the BBC is seen uh, outside of the UK border. And, and in France, it's very well regarded. So we thought, you know, to say we work with a company that's regarded as one of the best in its field, that, that's very gratifying for us. It gives us fantastic enthusiasm to say, Let's go on, let's go and get those clients and become uh, a great company uh, in our own right. So yeah, this is, this is other, obviously a, quite a fundamental change to, to your business. And, and it's great because, yeah, you reached out. And I, th I think, uh, thank you very much for reaching out because I think there is a, a massive opportunity and you know, others will seize on it. But to get in there ahead of time and to also be... Uh, helping us to drive it as well it's really useful um so another thing that we're looking at is um we're looking at having an online assessments um and possibility of a half day assessment as well like you know maybe in person or or, or virtual again but um would you be interested or you know in would you see the benefit of like an online assessment uh where you can just go through form and like the half half a day assessment in person or on Zoom? I mean, uh, anything that's in person is great. Uh, so if there's any reason for me to come and see you guys in Manchester, <laughs> it's, it's perfect because um, I've got a particular attachment to Manchester as well as a place. Um, I think there's nothing better. Obviously, we can do things virtually. Um, but now as lockdown eases across the world and we try and go back to our normal lives i think it's important that we meet in person we are talking about human values you know and and one of the human values is also human contact um so it'd be it'd be i'd be uh, you know assessment is is wonderful uh, one thing that i think uh, would be very useful for us is also to to have um you know uh, we spoke and you kind of talk to us about the question inventory and so forth, which was very interesting. But I think what would be great is to have, you know, perhaps once or twice every quarter, 
training sessions on how you think we could best deploy your methodology. Because for me, I don't want to denature it by doing something I shouldn't be doing. You know, in terms of your methodology, you're the experts because you conceived it. Um, and what I think would be really, really useful is if once every quarter we could talk to you about how we deployed your methodology and also the new things that you've been doing that we should be integrating uh, on our side to ensure that the human values framework stays extremely relevant. I think that would be uh, a wonderful thing to do. And it, and it would also perhaps allow us to uh, meet um, other people that are deploying the same methodology and create a community of people around the uh, HVF, which um, would be great. Um, and if the BBC can incite and can get people around the table to have this discussion in a community format, well, the BBC and R&D would have fulfilled its public service mission quite clearly. I think that I think that's really interesting, um, and I think I I love the idea of, um, I, I I not not necessarily us kind of like, this is what we're doing. You need to do this, but more like a, a like a community of like, this is this is you know like because we are for example, uh you know R and D is very academic, but you know to for yourself like, we're deploying this, and these are some of the changes that we've made, um, and to kind of feed that back into into ourselves and into a community of people who are also practicing this is is some of the it's sort of things that are definitely coming up in these interviews is that there's something quite important about you know each each person has different outputs and um different businesses and um kind of like taking the core and then making it fit or work around what they around their area is something that we would never know like if you said to us look you know, uh tell us how to do how to deploy this for uh no product design we have no idea a product designer will tell you you know with enough information about it oh this could work this way that could work that way and the same way it's for you it's like you've kind of gone right this is what we're doing right now ah but this would then allow us to to actually do all of this stuff um, and to be able to feed it back in a way that would make a lot of sense. So that's great. Um, I'd, I've had one more uh, question. Uh, I've kind of like... You have one till the end, haven't you? <laughs> no, no, no. It's because uh, it, we kind of like, because you, you kind of like talked through quite a few and it's like, yeah, like what would you do at the end? I mean, like, you know, you've kind of already kind of explained and, um, and there's obviously, it's important because there's obviously more um we'll just watch the space you know i would say um is there yeah the last question i'll say is is there anything else you want to say um as i mentioned before we got um this this funding from nesta ends in july i don't think we ever mentioned that it was nesta that was funding it but we we now can mention it uh in, you know in july but obviously the the human values project will continue and this is just one iteration of it but there will be more. And is there anything that you would like to say besides what you said already? Well, I think it's very important that commercial entities like mine get around the project. I mean, at our humble level, we can't you know, finance it. We're not millionaires yet. We hope to get there one day, 
but the road is far, far, far from uh, um, and far ahead. But clearly, um, we've got to support this project and deploy it and give it credibility. Um, first of all, because um, it's a, a social impact project. You know, we're creating um, a new metric that puts people first. For me, that's very important. And even before uh, I got in touch with you, that's what I wanted to do. But obviously, when you're a startup and you go and see big corporates, they kind of laugh at you and say, ha, 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 you're a startup. Why, what are you going to bring that we don't already know or do? Um, and so, you know, to, to join forces is very important. Uh, I hope that other entities uh, like Nesta, who do fantastic work, will fund uh, the project moving forward. Uh, the way we can help it and the way we will help it is by shouting on the rooftops that we support it, that we think it's a good idea and work with those that want to, to, to bring it about. Um, and I think if we can prove that it's very interesting and be the first to say, actually, this is the new future standard for satisfaction measurement, I think we, we've talked a lot about the media, obviously, because you and I are both, we both have media backgrounds, but let's not forget that the, the human values framework can also be uh, applied to customer relations and to other uh, sectors, uh, then that would be great. Um, and, and if we can move away from that purely mathematical way of thinking, uh, I know it's required and I know we'll still have some, but if we can re-center things a little bit more towards uh, people, uh, then, you know, I think we would have done something great. I would like to thank Sanjay Dunya for his honesty and his time. If you'd like to know more about the human values, then please do join us at humanvalues.io and please visit bbc.co.uk slash rd for more exciting projects, services and technologies. You've been listening to 2LO Rebooted from BBC Research and Development, telling the stories of BBC's technology and product groups.